Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, shipheads. Welcome back to your favorite video game podcast. One upsmanship. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Gansner, and with me, the beautiful, the bold, Mr. Michael Swaim. I bet they don't like it as mm. much now that you called them shipheads. <laughs> I think they like that. Come on, right into Michael and let him know if you like being called shipheads or not. Uh, we have a really fun idea for an episode today that uh, arose organically out of us just having a chat on a stream. Where we thought, you know what, this would just be a fun discussion to have on our podcast. So this is that. That's right. Uh, and, Imagine yeah. us sitting there, being friends, organically, naturally. <laughs> There's nothing forced or commercial about it. You're there not too. Even little, not even a little bit. You're part yeah. of the group. You're in. <laughs> it's it's yeah. comfy. It's cozy. It's familiar. Uh, it's probably it's probably us trying to figure out the summon system in Elden Ring, right? Like that's probably part of what's going on. A furled fingers this, involved. Yeah, we're snorting yeah, some ground up finger. If I'm following that game correctly, absolutely. I don't know if anyone's following that game correctly, uh, but definitely that's what's going on. Uh, and the concept here is we wanted to talk about uh, game mechanics that we thought should have gotten adopted by more video games or should in the future mm-hmm. than uh, than they have right so games that deserve a little game mechanics that deserve a little bit more uh, of a widespread use uh, so this is the kind of this is where your your standard uh, climbing mechanic from breath of the wild conversation goes right? I intentionally that was, that was... avoided that one because <laughs> yeah, it's of course been that's done, the one right it's right. been said right right but that's the kind of thing that we're going to talk about today. I also uh, put that on the list as a wise. Everyone crack, and now it's been I know deployed. who works in the gaming industry is like, yeah, you would have thought that would have taken off, huh? Yeah, yeah, and yet weird. it didn't. Yeah, weird. It's probably because it's hard to do. Hard that's my to guess. Design. Yep. 
Yeah, probably so. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We each have five, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to steadfastly discuss, maybe disagree, who knows, uh, some of the mechanics we thought, hey, this deserves a little bit more time in video games. Uh, you want to start us off, Mike? Sure, Adam. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, the <laughs> fifth of five in my series of oh. game mechanics I think should be used more, and I interpreted it as used more in the future. Yeah. Just okay. To be clear. Great. So, are you are you ranking them? Are this like fifth most? Like, is the number uh, one the best yeah. one? Let's say yeah. Oh, great. Okay, great. Um, let me see if three and four make sense in that way. Okay. Ooh, I like that you're uh, bothering okay. to rank it. Yes. Then Love yeah. It. yeah. 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 They are in okay. that order. So wonderful. Um, labyrinthine levels that aren't open world and unlockable shortcuts, as seen in. The Tiny Tina's Wonderland's Overworld, uh, FromSoft oh. games uh, before yes. Elden Ring, prior to Elden Ring, uh, Dark Souls, Sifu, yeah. uh, The Cave, an indie game I love, had the same layout. Mist, I'll point out, Mist had. Yeah, Mist does that. You'd navigate the worlds and you'd be like, oh, I opened up this log flume. Now I can get there more easily. Um, and what I'm really talking about here is curation of thought space. Because I do think it was a huge deal for us to realize through Ocarina of Time, Grand Theft Auto 3, other games like this, the promise of open world and the promise of these things, these consoles we have, these PCs, they can generate a world that is lived in that just has looping behaviors that you can wander around freely. Great. Great. We've done that for a long time. And this is where the boldness of my stance comes in. I'm done with it. I'm done with open world. Oh, I think we've wow. Exper- I think we've explored it uh, enough. I would like <laughs> the next artistic movement to be taking a page from FromSoft. And even though FromSoft, like FromSoft are not my favorite games, as has been well documented on this show. But I want, right. but Sifu is one of my favorite games. And I really want yeah. more curation of my experience in a way where it feels like video games don't have to keep flexing nuts. Like they can be like, look, so remember how it's, it's historically been a thing where every open world game is like square footage wise. This is the largest open world that's ever been created ever by computers. That's always what they say. Look, at this point, I get it. You could make a flat plane that's so long that running across it is a chore. Good for you. I want curation of spaces and I think I'm going to win. Like, I think that's happening. I think we're moving into an era of um, more focus and less need to just focus on square footage. One thing that I like about those kinds of games is when the shortcut ends up being something intuitive that you didn't expect. Like that's actually one of the fun things about a dark souls game is when you've gone and like murdered so many zombie soldiers and you're like, God, will this ever end? And then you pull a lever or whatever, and like a drawbridge forms, and you're like, Oh my God, that's the same that's place, the place I started I was from. Before. Yeah. Thank, thank God. You know, and, you're, and like you're not even annoyed by it. You're just thrilled that they are letting you save finally. So like, what you're actually asking for is save points, like you know, like like more like collect like the ability to to make a player have to get from one point to another before they can save. And right? I mean, I'm a big psychonauts lover. I love, sure. uh, I just think the idea of intentionally, I get it. You can, you can render the whole world or a modicum of like what a world would be. I want to see some intentionality again. I would love for the I see. curated experience 
to become the norm for a while because I feel like we've been doing the open world thing is a dominant form of storytelling for quite a while now. I'm ready to go back Agreed. into tightly curated spaces. <laughs> well, I and I think that I, the reason I think you might be right about this is that the open worlds that really feel like an open world now are the ones that are not curated. Like, uh, like I, like I think people start to get the experience that open worlds always used to provide from things like Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild now, and not from Grand Theft Autos, or really more mm -hmm. Grand Theft Auto clones. Where or it's, it's a like, hybridization, you know, like Last of Us Two, yeah. where there's an open world component, or I would argue even Elden yeah. Ring where it's an open world connected to a series of classic FromSoft labyrinths. For sure. I, I think there's something to like feeling like you're in clear, either in one of two clear sets of waters where it's like, now go explore and find cool stuff. That's one thing. Or now you're going to run this gauntlet and don't worry, it's been carefully mapped out so that uh, you don't have to do it a bunch of times. And when you get a shortcut, you know I mean? like, it banks your progress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are two distinct experiences, uh, and I don't think most games can do them both well. Uh, okay, I'm with you on that. I would Shall like, I share my... Imagine an Assassin's Creed. Okay. With labyrinthine Ready. levels that you had to find shortcuts to bank your progress. I just I just think it's a cool I agree. I think I think Assassin's Creed in general should move away from that, yeah. from the open world thing they're doing. I totally agree with that. Um, okay, shall I introduce yeah, yeah, my yeah, first yeah. one? Give me your fifth. Okay, this is my fifth, so my least important. Uh, and that is rewinding instead of death. Uh, I primarily got this from Braid, but sure, also from uh, Super Nintendo Online. Uh, it's like a feature they have in a lot of Fatal Super Nintendo Rewind Online games. Fatal Rewind for the Sega Genesis. Yeah, so like I think one of the worst feelings is dying and then waiting for the game to reload. Mm -hmm. um, even though games are tried have tried painfully to sort of like shorten that time, that wait is always frustrating, Prince especially of time. Yeah, especially if uh, you're waiting to fight a boss again, or you're waiting to fight some like overcome an obstacle, and then the game makes you wait before you can try it again. Right. Um, or you die and then you have to do a whole section of a level over again. You're like, man, I already did this. Like, why do I have to do it again? I think the rewind thing, I know it doesn't fit for every single game. I'm not saying it does, but I think there's a lot more games where it's like, look, I don't really need to run this part of the level again or start over with the boss. Cause you're not that kind of game. Just let me, you know, go back halfway, like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 seconds. Would you and fight boss where fights? I was like rewind yeah. in the middle of why a not? boss fight? It makes it so I, I, easy. If, well, I don't think most games need to be hard. I think some of sure. them need to be hard, but like I don't, I I understand that challenge and this rewind thing would be, they would have to negotiate, right? Right. But like, uh, for instance, especially an older game now. If I'm playing an older game now, it's like no, don't make me die anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I'm playing a, like an old Mario game or whatever. I totally agree with Nintendo's philosophy on that. Nope, I can just rewind now because it's not about experiencing the cutting edge thing and like overcoming it, it's a nostalgia trip. So why interrupt it? You know what I mean? Uh, and I just think a lot of games could, could live with the knowledge that you're not the hardest game in the world, man. You know what I mean? You don't need to be hard. Like mm -hmm. you can be Kirby. It's okay. And that's a good experience. You know what I mean? And maybe it's a thing you can toggle off and on. Yeah. If you it's know, applied like maybe, judiciously, I'm pro. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I get that. Again, I understand some people not going to want that because they want the hard experience. But how many times have you sat through a frustrated black screen simulating the great sleep of death waiting to load up again? Probably hours of your life, right? Oh, yeah. I want those back for you. I want those back for you. It rivals toilet time. (laughs) It probably does, unless you have a health problem. Mm Mm-hmm. It probably does. Hey, so uh, we're going to be right back after these messages uh, with a few more mechanics we'd like to see elsewhere. See you in a bit. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, uh, Swam, what's your number two? Well, number four, if we're counting. Oh, down, four. Forgive me. Is that? Forgive me. You started with your least important, right? I did. Yes. All right. Same. So, my number four mechanics that should be in more games is contextual glory kills, and they're in a lot of games. You might be thinking oh. of Doom Eternal, God of War. Oh. Mortal Kombat started it all with the fatality, which is in its own yes. way as a contextual glory kill. Um, Arkham and Spider-Man, you have contextual finishers. Sifu has contextual finishers. 
Yeah, I, Cyberpunk You know too. how there's basic things that have been codified, like press X to jump if it's a game where jumping is a thing? Um, yeah. I think press triangle and circle at the same time to do a glory kill should be codified and should be like a thing we do from now on in most games with killing in them. <laughs> I do you love want it glory kills. And I do thought, you want I, thought be... I would feel like my time is wasted. I don't, Adam. I don't feel like my well, time is wasted. I feel like it's a little moment to celebrate. It's the equivalent of the FF7 victory theme. Every time I snap some demon's neck, I love it so much. I'm with you on that, but one thing Doom does is it rewards you for doing it. Right. Like you get more health and ammo yes, and stuff. Yes, play with it. I yeah, I'm saying more robust okay. exploration. Okay. Of pre-animated, what I think really sells it is we're allowing character animation to just stand on its own as like, do me a favor, dude. Press triangle circle because your character is going to do some wild shit right now, and then <laughs> right. you just get to watch it. And so they're you- like, look at this shit we animated. I know it's canned. But it's in the flow of the gameplay. So this is compare this to quick time events, which were like our previous idea was, hey, in the middle of a cutscene, which is like a movie and you don't have any input, suddenly, surprise, you have to press a button or you're fucked. Um, This is a much better system, which is you're already pressing buttons. You're in the flow. Press a button and get a little cutscene. It's flipping the paradigm. And I think it's much more tenable. Like glory kills are dope. Quick time events it gives you, are stupid. It gives you a little free, a, a free moment from the intensity to too. Like it gives you like, while yeah. you're doing something awesome, you're still in your role playing brain crushing. Like you're not pausing the game or anything. Yeah. I mean, I see, yeah, I see how it could be really good for a number of games. I mean, there's some games, obviously like I would not want to see Mario brain. Want to make sense. Brain, a brain, a Koopa, you know, like, uh, or have to a thousand times do some animation where you crush a Koopa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you'd like to see that once uh, that, that I can see. Maybe some people would like to see that. Uh, okay. I dig that. That's an interesting mechanic. Uh, no my back. fourth no thoughts. All right. Great. Yeah. I know what, because what's to argue with what's to argue with. I think as we get uh, higher on the list, there might be more to argue with, but we'll see. Okay. That's fair. No, I, I, there's four? nothing to argue with there. Uh, this one, I think you will argue with a little bit. Uh, number four. Only is... white people in video games. <laughs> 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 I, I must Back take to issue the glory with this, days. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think more games could have, the radio feature from Grand Theft Auto and or I actually would prefer this the ability to add your own music to the game like games like Crypt of Necrodancer or what Crypt of the Necrodancer or others the ability to include music uh into the game or the even huge, a podcast that you select yes or a podcast I, yes right. yes so interoperability are, with your playlist absolutely like why should i have to drive anywhere really in any game without being able to either hear a cool soundtrack I like or music I like, just period. Like, let me vibe out for a bit if I'm going to have to do the driving. If you don't want me to do the driving, don't include it. Do Like, do only fast travel, right? But so many games, like even games where 
I know you're going to think this is kind of controversial. Things like, uh, you know, riding a horse in ancient times or whatever. I think they could give you a selection of songs that you could hear that might fit thematically. Give me some Nine Inch Nails while I'm riding that horse, B. <laughs> exactly. Give me a Dan like Carlin to... podcast. Tell me about right. the Atlantic Hardcore Slave history. Trade. Yeah. While I'm marching through uh, the extinct areas of Alexandria. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, for real. I think I think games could get a little more, more gamey about that kind of stuff. Watch and yourself, I wouldn't hate counselor. That. I feel like that has to be very narrowly controlled. Because I'll just say this. For you're narrative? F- you're free to listen to any music you want on a separate device while you're playing any game you want. We already have and that ability. Uh Interesting. I guess my gut instinct is I feel like it dilutes the narrative. Like you wouldn't go into a movie theater and go, I don't understand why I can't listen to my favorite murder while I watch this movie in the theater. It's like, well, because we're focusing on the thing. It's a piece of art we're supposed to focus on. But do you object to things like skipping the theme song or like skipping through the credits at the end of Netflix? Like, are you an outrage about that? No, I edit my multimedia. I mean, for my own. That's what this would be. That's what's interesting is. because I guess I just don't know. This raises a whole huge question that I could really dig into, but I won't have like, is that good for humanity to like change our, cause now you're basically talking about editing levels of information. I think there's a lot of studies that point to the fact that multitasking is a myth and that our focus right, right. is kind of singular. And so it's weird to be like, let's dilute this experience by adding another stream of information in. Hmm. Well, I think I that they're know. already, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not saying add it to a thing where it isn't already there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not mo- for the most part. I'm so not you're saying, saying that. games that already would have a soundtrack, make it programmable. Yes. Or make the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Make it programmable for the most part. Yeah. Okay. And also consider, consider soundtracking some stuff that, uh, is really just sort of menial task stuff. Consider that. Like, consider letting us soundtrack that I'd stuff. go one step further and say, cut the menial task parts of your game. As in, go sure. into your screenplay and cut all the transaction scenes. Same same rule. Okay. That's an interesting comment. Uh, Let games I, be shorter. I, cut the filler. That's a big thing for me. I will say that I, many times on this podcast. I mean, there's tons of games like Cyberpunk or, like again, Grand Theft Auto or, you know, uh, games like that. Saints Row, where, you know, you you spend time traveling because they want you to be immersed in the world. Do you have to? Most of those games, except for Grand Theft Auto, are like, no, you could skip there. Mm-hmm. But I also am like, well, but I'd like to be immersed. I think the problem is that one of the things that helps get immersed, which is like, you know, be vibing on my own tunes and stuff or my own set of info, I can't do. You know, and I think that would be better for for the literal thing they're trying to accomplish. So uh, I understand it's a boutique interest, but I thought I'd include it. Sure. What's your number three, sir? My number three is enemies with different parts that fall off of them. And this is heavily inspired by Horizon Forbidden West. And here's where the interesting turn happens. I will say much more about this on the episode where we cover it. But the reason I'd like to see more people experiment with the idea of armor pieces or, I mean, Horizon does pieces that you can explode if you'd use a matching element. And it also does pieces that give you bonuses, right? Like uh, it's a treasure box. If you knock it off, you can collect it. Um, But the idea of enemies in a game having various components 
that matter if you hit like Vats from Fallout plays with it a little bit because you can yeah. aim it different and then diff- do different status effects like cripple the legs and then they can't run. Right. But uh, I would like or to Dead see Space. even more games play with Dead Space 2 with the delimbing of things. I would love to see even more games. See, that's three different interpretations right there. And I think they're all fruitful and interesting. And I'm doubly spurred on by the fact that I don't think, and I'll unpack this in depth when we cover it. I don't, I think horizon is a beautiful proof of concept for villains, for baddies that have shit attached to them that you knock off. I actually Uh don't think they nailed it. And I want to see other, other games take swings at the idea of enemies that have a bunch of parts. I just think that's really cool and it's something that we've explored. And every time we explored it from a different angle, it usually yields an interesting result. And so I would just love to see more companies like do that. It's, it's so hard to revolutionize the idea of what is a baddie when you're going to interact with, you know, a video game world, like what is the enemy? And almost always they're a monolithic thing that has a hitbox and hit points and attacks and you right. kill them by whittling down their health bar anything that obviates that or complexifies that is really cool to me. So I am in love with the idea of like enemies that are made up of distinctive parts. I think that's what made GoldenEye 007 so notable was it was the first game where shooting someone in the head had a different result than shooting them in the leg. And there was just the animation, but any way to play with that, any way to play with the fact that living creatures are actually systems of things I think is really cool. I mean, the tricky thing about that is that Horizon's system is based on the the fact that they're robots. That's uh, right. I mean, humans it, are meat robots. I don't humans see are meat robots. <laughs> I'm with. Well, <laughs> I think you should. Uh, it's mostly that. Like, I think the cool thing about Horizon's system is that the machines seem to be able to function largely intact until, like, you know, you really stab the light out of their processor mm-hmm. whereas you lop off a dude's arm he's not really okay to keep fighting you know uh like so it tends to be a little bit more of a how do you kill this like it's a way of killing it that's sort of more gruesome like i again dead space got a little bit more playful with it so maybe maybe i'm just not forward thinking enough i'm i just think this is insidiously everywhere like it dates all the way back to 2d mario games that introduced the idea of a turtle that you hit it once and it separates into two pieces and then you hit it again right. and each piece has a different behavior. That's true. That's okay. cool shit. I want to see us explore that in every possible way. Per every permutation of it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know, how can I, why would I get upset at that? Well, there's so many enemies. I agree with you. Like so many games have humanoid enemies and humanoid enemies seem to work as hit them in the head and they die more hit them anywhere else right. and they die. Right. And right. I just think there's ways to revolutionize that, that we haven't even thought of yet that I trust developers will come up with and I'll pr- be really hyped to play. It would probably involve moving away from guns, right? That's the thing well, about it. There's nothing is, wrong and maybe with that's moving away a, from guns for a no, second in America. I, can, <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, like, I don't know if I've really seen the zombie game, I guess maybe dead space, dead technically, space but, a little bit. Yeah. The zombie game where, like, you know, you really do have to, like, uh, squash specifically the brain for it to stop moving, uh, like, and it being done as well as it could be done. Like, Mm -hmm. there is room to get more creative about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, or like a zombie that's smart enough to use its own body as a weapon, for instance, or mm-hmm. you know, just that that kind of thing would be interesting. Um, you've got a lot of gore on your list today. What's going on with you? <laughs> What's all the violence that just you're bringing? Two glory in this list? kills and stuff that falls <laughs> off enemies, and then and then three more like after skin that. <laughs> and kidneys and everything they've ever loved falls I'd away to make into a, the void. Yeah, maybe you can collect their kidneys and make a sweet little necklace out of them or something, right? You know, get real yeah. creative with it. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> bear with me on this one. I know you're going to disagree. We'll all survive This is somehow. your number two, right? This is my number three. Number three. Oh, right, right, right. Number right, three. Right. Okay. Number three is a feature I saw specifically in Super Mario Odyssey, and it's a feature called the Balloon Race. Have you seen the Balloon Race? Do you know what I'm talking about? Your hat makes you turn into a dinosaur no 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 it's it's so here's how it works so like what happens is a player can record you it's a it's like an extra thing that was put on to super mario odyssey after the fact and it's like through luigi a player can go in the world and create basically a time trial by getting to a location and planting a, a balloon within a certain period of time. Oh, the hide-and-seek mini game. yes yeah. yes yeah. Uh, yes it's hide-and-seek but also it's like a speed trial Right. Um, I think so many games could benefit from letting players do that. PvP where one person sets the tone and then the other yes. person tries to match that. Yes. Yeah, that is Absolutely. a really fun mechanic that could be used widely. And it's like it it's kind of gone largely unnoticed by the video uh, game community. It's almost like Horse, the basketball game. <laughs> it's like Horse. It's yeah. exactly what it's like. And it's so crazy that you're not seeing it in things like uh I don't know, Assassin's Creed. You know what I mean? Like the, the, do the, the assassination sneaking around game. X amount of time and then you yeah. do it. Now you try. Or like yeah. literally, hey, I put this balloon on the, or whatever you want to put, a rose or whatever, if you want to make it tone specific, on top of this mountain and you have 45 seconds to get there. Mm-hmm. Figure it out, bro. I did it. You know what I mean? And like, and, and just another way for a game to have life. If you like being in that world and operating as that, uh, as that character. Now, I mean, I and I say this without being a dick. Mario is one of the best characters to me, to be because of his freedom of movement. But like, there are lots of ways to skin this idea that would fit elsewhere. Like, uh, I think there's a way to make a sort of a race creator in GTA, and I mean race, like driving around race speed trial. Uh, that sure is like filled. <laughs> sure, you did. That is filled with uh, obstacles or whatever, right? Uh, where like it's not just in the car; they they have to actually run through the small or whatever, and uh, like and that would be a fun challenge that goes really well into that game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think there's ways to think creatively about that, and the key ingredient that I think is really fun is it lets players get really good at the game and then challenge other players and keeps them in it. You know, yeah. without having to create curated content. And uh, I just don't think there's enough of that in video games, period. Like, let the this is like, let the gamers make content for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I just, I thought that's such a great idea. I'd love to see it elsewhere. Balloon race. Balloon race was the concept. Uh, I yeah. have no pushback. That's fine. I accept that. That's okay. a good one. <laughs> even if I put it in like, I mean, obviously it belongs in Psychonauts, but even if I put it in something like uh, Doom Eternal or whatever, Oh, I think it works great in Doom Eternal. Not I a do balloon, too. but yeah. Yeah. 
Right. It's like a it's a nailed it's a demon it's a head. Nailed it's a demon demon. head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Catch the golden cockademon and squish him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, let players let players invent content for you, game designers. Well, it's a new it's a new realm of PvP. It's don't shoot at each other. It's take turns doing the run and seeing who's fastest at the run or not even fastest necessarily collects the most or kills the most or whatever. Yeah. The funny thing is it's actually more inclusive than most PVP activities. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same thing as like, I'm not going to play one-on-one basketball with most people because I'm not in shape enough to do that, but I'll play a horse with a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You know, cause horse is easier to play and it's really, it, doesn't require the same level of expertise and, you know, cheese in the game and stuff the way mm-hmm. one-on-one would. Anyway, uh, what is your fourth or your second, I my guess? My second, my number two. My number two mechanic that should be in more games, what am I, David Letterman, is big twist endings instead of final bosses. Oh. Right? That's Wait, what I that? expect you might Where have did... some pushback on. So f- to give an example. Yeah. Um, the last of us, what is memorable about that is not the final boss or so okay. in the dawn of, or, uh, 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 red dead Two, the memorable thing is the twist of what befalls your character. I think mm-hmm. the final boss is slightly secondary to that, even though, because it's plot driven, you, you remember who you kill in the end. Um, the big twist was like, Oh, what befell me? Wow. Um, Bioshock infinite. Right. So, yep. I, this is, I guess, a me planting my flag as a story first guy, but I really put this in because I want to make the argument that there was a time in gaming history where final bosses were the shit and that's what it was all about. In fact, the original iteration of this podcast was called Final Bosses, and we're still called One Upsmanship, and we kind of bill ourselves as like the final boss, like boss as a concept, right? I'm yeah. not knocking it. It's a great, it's done gaming well. But I do think we're in an age where, and I just think it's interesting to observe the passage of this concept. Um, video games are finally catching up to other kinds of narrative media like literature and film where it's more about how did that end and did it stick the landing? Was there anything memorable or cathartic or resonant about the ending of that experience And it's not like, oh, man, the final boss is a giant spinning turtle that you have to pump 100 quarters in to defeat it. So I just want to celebrate that I think gaming has matured to the point that every game has a unique instance or a unique opportunity to make it about whatever it wants to be about versus what is the thing that you kill at the end? That is not always the case anymore. And I want to push us even further in that direction. I think it's... I think we should start letting go of the idea of a final boss being important, which I know is a big deal. A lot of games still really enshrine the idea of the final boss, but I think the final boss, I guess that's my big statement here. I don't know why I'm treating it like this is a social issue or a social cause, but I'm like (laughs) final bosses time have passed. I think artistically or beyond final bosses now. Well, as a necessity, final boss time as a necessity has passed, right? Yeah, or do you- and I think it's more vibrant of a landscape if we focus more on what's the story I want to tell and what's the natural or surprising end to that arc, just like people do in other media versus starting the game from the position of 
well, this is a game where you punch. So what's the last thing you punch? Uh, sure. It's less interesting to me. I'm with you on that. But I think even in the all the cases that you brought up, mm-hmm. they still have like what they're doing is they're spreading the final boss thing over a level. So like you have a level that's like well, last harder. of us is shooting your way out of the hospital. Yeah. Well, and that's and that that hospital is hard. Uh, right, but and, it's a level instead of a singular boss. It's a level instead of a single boss, right. So they still do the thing of you must pass this final challenge to be free, like to finish the game, but it's not a single like being. It's a it's a level. You know? I, dude, uh, I even like it when the penultimate boss is really hard and then the boss boss, final boss, is not that hard so that you can feel that okay. momentum of finishing the game and wrapping it up and not having to yeah. wait till tomorrow to yeah. wrap it up. The f- the third act resolution thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with this because I, I, I do think we both see the need for, you must, you must third act this story where like it gets, it's the hardest it's ever going to be. And it's the most cathartic it's ever going to be. Video games are an escalating series of challenges, right? That's, Stor- that's stories are that and yeah. stories are that, you know? So like that has to happen. I agree that, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to have hit points for us to think that it was satisfying and cathartic um but like again every single even red dead 2 uh has final levels that are very you know even if they're not harder they're more hard shooting levels but at the same time when i ask you what is the final boss of red dead 2 i think with a smirk you might say tuberculosis micah. <laughs> right or my or micah because right. there is a but you really, know. it's disease, which is that's so cool to that's, me. That's, that's fair. way better. Well, they but again, those that game Bowser. has. T- well, but you say Bowser, but like Super Mario Brothers, the very first one, you you Bowser was just one more hurdle to run past. You never fought him, or well, it was really hard to fight him. That demolished the bridge underneath him, right? Which was just sort of the last step of a very challenging level. Yeah. Well, and, and like the level was hard. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so this idea is actually not that new. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with this. I'm just sort of like chewing on it a little bit. Um, Maybe I, it wasn't I don't f- valid and I shouldn't have said it and I'm bad. No, no. <laughs> I'm not trying to invalidate what you said. I'm just saying, because uh, I think a lot of games do feel like you have to have the final boss. Like a lot of games fall into that. Like even when they don't, when they haven't really had boss fights. Well, and just like, when now I was there thinking is one. about back about my favorite games of the last five ten years, I realized with a start that I didn't remember the final bosses. And if you take the ten years before that, I could tell you every final boss. Like that's the first thing I could say is like, oh, at the end of Kid Chameleon, you fight this big skewer of heads. Oh, at the end of Sonic, you fight you know, the Robotnik that's in the Mac suit. Right. Like, that's final right. Final bosses were so enshrined. I think it's interesting that that's falling away. Well, and there's games where I think the final boss kind of sucks because they shouldn't have had it. Like Frank right. Fontaine and Bioshock. Yes. I was going to bring that you up. You know? Yeah. 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 Like I think, and, the that, and- I still feel like a lot of games that don't need a final boss because they have their story on lock feel obliged to have a final boss and then you get the Frank Fontaine effect where you're like that game was such a great story oh also at the end you fight a giant mutant why it's a video game you got to fight yeah, something yeah you have to have it right you got to fight some giant <laughs> but i didn't because the final boss was me was in, the concept. in BioShock yeah 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 would you kindly that's the boss mm-hmm. and, and it's like that's fucking awesome i yeah i i, I agree that there's like a 5% of video games that could lose a boss at the end 
You like they're, 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 like I think that's a I could see that in some yeah. places, right? Not Sifu though. Just for the record, sure. not Sifu. <laughs> you gotta you have need Sifu. Yang. You need a Yang. Gotta have Yang. Yeah, exactly. Some, I, but if you're gonna have a Yang, I want it to be like a person I'm looking forward to beating. Like that's right. a thing. That's that's the other half of your comment is like either make the final boss somebody I care about, or make it something that I uh make or or get rid of it. Like, uh, spoilers, Horizon Forbidden West boss was kind of a bummer, I thought. The final I've already boss. forgotten what that is, and I just it was beat a me- it. And it I just, yeah, we'll talk about I, it. I remember the ending of the story. I forget yeah. who the final boss is. I think that's yeah, it, it was Yeah, it was a mech suit, just to help okay, her jog great. your memory. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, okay. Well, that brings <laughs> up my two? my number two. Uh, my number two. And I think you're going to like this. I really do. Candy uh, for everyone. <laughs> candy for Michael Swain. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, why don't more games have a built-in HUD like Dead Space? Like actually build oh, a diegetic the, HUD. Yes, a diegetic yes. HUD like Dead Space. Love it. Uh, Dead it. like that is not that new of a game. It's been around for like 15 years almost, right. and the HUD rules and the the getting rid of the unnecessary clutter on the screen makes the horror so visceral mm-hmm. um, and so rewarding. Now I will say I've been seeing games lately do stuff like uh, the more dynamic uh, HUD. Like I, again, horizon forbidden West did this um, where, you know, they take away stuff when you don't it need hides it or itself give you... pretty readily and it only yeah. comes up when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. But in general HUDs while necessary at times, uh, just distract from the world the the gamers have the game designers have made, and Dead Space isn't that creative, and I've never seen it anywhere else. Right, yeah, the like there's got to be a way. Is so good. Yeah, there's got to be creative ways to think about putting it on your character or in a way that's innocuous, so that I can be visceral, like because you really are more immersed in the game when there's no HUD. You know, like I agree with that in theory. Yeah. 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 So like, I mean, I understand that's a sci-fi concept and it may be hard to apply to say, you know, Mario or whatever. I was trying to think about Elden Ring and I'm like, what would it be runes around your head or what? You I know, don't know how it, you get rid of the, the, it would magic require some health. thought in each specific yeah. instance. Yeah. But they'd have, and they'd have to work very hard. Like that would not be an easy thing right. to do. But you're saying but, if that became an industry standard expectation, it would be pretty cool. <laughs> It would it would make I honestly like the effect on the game is dramatic. Like it's as dramatic as color correction is to a movie where it's like, Mm -hmm. is color correction the most important thing? No, but it's a thing you can instantly see the impact from. Right. You know, like it makes a dramatic difference on all the rest of the work you did. So, yeah, man, build me a HUD on my spine for every character or something. Build me a HUD on my spine. (laughs) And with that. Uh, we're gonna go pay some bills and uh, stick around after, and you'll hear our number ones. See you then. Bring- 
bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <gasps> Good one dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, it's now number one time. Uh, Swaim, what's your most yes. desired video game mechanic? Hey, guess what? Here comes a twist. It's big <laughs> twist endings that are final bosses. Oh! This, <laughs> my pick itself is a twist because you didn't think I was going to do twists twice, but I did. I did. Wow. It. The second, my number one is also twists. But what I mean by twist endings that are final bosses is I mean things like uh, Red Dead 1, where the very final thing you do is play as your own child. Uh. Uh, The very final thing you do is get shot and then play as your own child. Or The Walking Dead, where the very final thing you do, the final boss is the concept of what we pass on to those who survive us. Or Portal 2, where the final boss, the solution to the final puzzle that kills the final boss is also a mind bending summation of all the puzzles that have come before in the form of shoot the moon Uh, or the forgotten city where the final boss is a conversation with an ur God 
that that explains everything that's been going on and reveals all the twists. And what I'm really getting at is I think that a unique thing about video gaming as a medium is that anytime a game gets over, let's say, 20 hours to navigate, because films are, what, four hours if you're talking Zack Snyder cuts, um, <laughs> or, or less. I hope you're usually not. Usually less. I, I hope you're usually not. Usually three, yeah, yeah. usually two. And, I'm, and my point is, that allows you to tell a cohesive short story where it's reasonable to expect the person's brain who's imbibing it to hold all the plot points in their head at once. A video game, and I like that I'm seeing video games more and more that are five hours, four hours, three hours. I think that's a useful category to exist. But your average video game, because for whatever reason, there's a lot of factors. We as a culture have decided, you know, 20 to 80 to 100 hours, depending on the genre of game, is the quote-unquote appropriate length of a game. You'll find repeatedly, first of all, just structures that screenwriters would laugh at like structures where i mean this is what we make fun of with side quests right right structures where you don't get to the point because it's got to be an 80 hour game so you right. have tangent after tangent after tangent right that, that has become the accepted norm of video game storytelling in a lot of genres is just tangent after tangent spinning your wheels slowly building the main plot and i guess what i'm getting at is i think in some ways at present kind of the best a video game can hope for is an ending that is somehow all I'm going to hold in. I love story. And with most long video games, all I hold in my head are the very basics of the plot, the hook, like the premise. And then what, whatever the ending is, and the resolution plays upon that hook. Right. Okay. So I think the best narrative games can hope for is figure out your premise state your premise over and over again so that we absorb it and then have the ending be a big twist on that premise. And I, that would be cheap in film, like, or you could argue that that's a little hacky in film, but I think that's the level of storytelling that video games are at. Like, I think the most engaging video games to me, and I think it's conducive to the length of games is games where the final boss is somehow in a meta way connected to the twist it's like the punchline of the plot is the final boss is the final action you take. And it all wraps up nicely. And I know that's like hard. What I mean, what I'm saying takes a lot of words to explain, but I can explain it as simply as the examples again, right? Like portal two does this. Um, I think fallout new Vegas does this. It's not a twist, but it's like the final boss of new Vegas, quote unquote, is the final battle which going into you understand will determine one of three possible four possible outcomes for this universe. And you throw your lot in with one of the sides and you win and you find out the ending. Like, I I just think the endings of games should be more tied into the boss should be the concept. Does that make sense? The boss should be the concept. Well, I, so I think, I, I think what you're diag- I think you're actually diagnosing a problem more than offering a solution. And the problem is that the third act feels tacked on and uh, more like an action climax than like because a dramatic climax. Because the middle climax. has involved so much spinning of your wheels in most it's, games. It's, it's partly that, and it's also partly action movie syndrome, right? Where it's like, well, now we got to go to the big tower and have the big blow up before... Right. time runs out or whatever. And, and you're not really invested in time running out per se. Um, 
I get that. So, like, let me ask you this question. So what about a game like Mass Effect 2? Um, Mass Effect 2 very famously has a big last mission. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't remember if there was a... Oh, there is a last boss. The last boss was very stupid. Although it was a twist. Uh, but, like, the last mission itself is sort of a... a you, you make a bunch of choices about who you put and where. And, you know, it causes some people to die and some people not to die. But it's very clearly... Like, the stakes are very high and they matter. And you've been and building toward it. And your final boss it. is essentially not a monster you fight, but your choice. The final boss, I you guess what I'm saying monster, is... You do fight a monster. You do fight a monster. And yeah. I guess what I'm arguing for is that I think most games would benefit from the final boss being the final choice you make rather than a monster you fight. Right. Like, it's really more like, do you destroy the planet or not? Like, it's... Yeah, and that's sort of what Mass Effect 3 tried to do. The end of the story unsuccessfully. is Unsuccessfully. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but, like, in, in concept, would you say Mass Effect 3's ending is what you're advocating for? Is that the in, one where you just pick a color of light? Yes, Red, but you're... green, or blue? Because that seemed lame to me. <laughs> it's lame the way they did it, but the concept was you decide the fate of humanity based around... Yeah, that's uh, one acceptable... Like, that's very okay. New Vegas or Fallout, right? It's like... You right. pick which faction wins history, and that's the ending. That's acceptable it's, to me. My favorite okay. of all are the ones that also comment upon interactivity itself, like Portal right. 2, where you shoot the moon. Because that's right. like, oh, man, I didn't even know I could do that. At the last second, the way to win this game, the final boss, so to speak, is yet another instance of I have to think outside the box, which is what the game's been all about through and through. Um, like, so what that you, I think is like kind of the best a video game can hope for because it's not natural for a human to ingest a 70 hour experience and remember every little plot detail. I agree like with it. that. Yeah, I agree with that. It, like, it's almost like if you could fix Bioshock, you would have put the thing with Andrew Ryan at the very end of the game. And that would have been the the thing you're asking for. Right. That's right. Or like, yeah. obviously we watch TV series and if they go 10 seasons, then we have hundreds of hours of informa- information in our heads. But I just find with a video game, because I play it in between moments of life and I plug in and plug out and I, you know, do these tasks that are on a list, my quest menu or what have you, I can't really watch it the way I would watch a series linearly. Right. Nor would you want and to. So I think a game sort of reflexively commenting upon its own structure at the end is is what video games do best. And I wish every game did that, I say with hesitation, because I never want everything to be the same. But I think my favorite games all do that. I'll just say that. Okay. I think your favorite art does that, too. I am a structuralist. You're a structure guy. Yeah, you love my it. My favorite art comments upon the medium that it is within yeah you love meta commentary it's your and and poetic resonance yeah you love it and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that uh i'm still trying to like boil this down to a thing but actually i i shouldn't video games are all about the essence of the medium is interactivity that's what differentiates it from every other medium so all i'm saying is the final resonant searing image or line or experience that i want from an interactive piece of media is a choice. I want the final boss, so to speak, to be a choice. Okay. Not 
fighting That's, a monster. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I that actually is a pretty good distillation. Like let me let me not overcome an obstacle, but instead make a meaningful choice about the universe I'm in. Yep, uh, but that since that's thoroughly brands me as like a story forward guy, which I am unabashedly. Yeah, so. that's okay. I, well, I, I also almost every game I've ever done that in, I've liked that, even if I didn't agree with the choice. Like even Mass Effect Three, with all I the never complaints. find myself thinking like, "Shit, I wish there was a giant monster I could yeah, fought." Like exactly. I never miss that. Yeah. No, no, I never miss the final boss because I've final... already fought my way through thousands of right. monsters or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's the ending I remember, not the boss. I totally agree with you, with rare exceptions, but yeah. Uh, okay. Like Ocarina there of Time, exceptions. actually. Sifu is, uh, is an exception. Ocarina of Time is an exception. Um, like, if the whole, if all you're about is fighting, you should probably fight at the end. I get that. <laughs> it depends on the game. Okay. Well, mine is much more mundane, I'm pleased to announce, uh, because my number one is, uh, and I really feel strongly about this, let us see when a room is clear of items a la mm. Resident Evil. Mm. Preach. Resident Evil has had this system forever where you're looking at the map and you can see, is there still something here to discover? Okay, they don't tell you where or what, but they just give you that. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, there's no reason why every single game cannot that has a map cannot do that for you. Couldn't agree more, my friend Adam Ganser. Yeah, like I want to say Metroid does it too. Uh, but I might be wrong about. I think that. it does. Yeah. I okay. Think it does. I just think any game where you need to consult a map, like where you're doing a dungeon crawl, it should let you know when you don't need to be in here and find stuff anymore. And it should let you know when there is stuff here, so it's that you this can thing s- again, dude. Yeah. Games are scared of. They're like, then you'll too efficiently get through the game, and the game will feel short. I think I, it is wearing off, but games yeah. still suffer under that stigma of like, game doesn't want to be short. Game doesn't want to be short. And my feeling is like, uh, and I get that I'm older and like a 15 year old kid who this is their, you know, Christmas present is going to feel different, but like, we don't need games to be that long. You know what I mean? They don't need to be that long. Like, you know, we're paying 70 well, bucks I like now a for a wide variety. I, I understand the place for a game that you can sink hundreds of hours into. I do too. You want to, but every That's... game feels the need to pad stuff out with things like, Oh, there's no fast travel in our game, so you have to walk all the time. And you're like, you just right. did that to pad it out. There's all these excuses to make the game longer for no reason. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of of a 15 hour game, you know, no. or like a tw- or even if it's like, uh, you know, I don't think a Ubisoft game like a Assassin's Creed that was 30 hours would be a bummer. 30, 30, 40. Would yeah, be 30. I think that'd be a fucking great. I'd be all in on that. So like, things like this are ways that the designer communicates to the to the game audience, we respect your time. And also we want it to be fun and not frustrating. This is removing a key frustration that all that most gamers have. Cause most gamers are like me and they're hungry for treats and they want every single treat in the game. You know what I mean? Like let us do yeah. that and make it easy on us and don't make us go to a guide or a website to do it. Put it in the game. Um, and also, yeah, if it is about padding the length out, let me just tell you, there's not a single game I've ever played where I'd be mad if it was shorter. You know, I can't, I can't think of one where I'm like, oh yeah, I wish it was shorter. I don't think so. Or you mean, I I wish it was longer. Excuse, uh, no, yeah, the same. We're saying the same thing. I wouldn't be mad if it was shorter. Right. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be mad. Like pretty much any game I can think of. I'm sure there's like a few that are like, oh yeah, I, I, a couple exceptions where you're like, oh that game was short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but for, for the most part, the whole, games games wear out their welcome because they make you do stuff like this, and it should not. And it's interesting that like when you talk about movies, right? Ninety percent or above of people who sat down to watch a movie finish that movie. Uh, and it's a rare exception when you're like, I walked out of that movie or it's an interesting story. You're like, I didn't even finish that movie. Fuck that movie. Um, so many people, I would say the majority, I think we know this statistically don't finish the video games. They start most of the video games. They start. I think that's a weird thing about the medium. I I think the medium should be digestible. People should finish units of the medium more than not like more than 50% of the time. Uh, it would be cool if video games were ingestible by the bulk of people who play them. I, I completely think agree. Complete experience is important. It's why I don't think games should get harder uh, mm-hmm. for the same reason. It's like, who, like who's that appealing to, you know, like people I, like, who play so many games that they're bored of, I don't know. Right. And I, and I'm like, as one of those people, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind that games are not always designed for me. Like, I understand that, uh, not all of us, you know, are fortunate enough to play lots and lots and lots of video games and, uh, that the game needs to be special. I think it being shorter also makes it special because it doesn't waste your time and you, and I think everyone can feel that. Also, that's something I think we need to get over. Like, a 10 hour experience is not short. It's 10 hours. It's, it's, it's good. It's yeah. a good amount of stuff. That yeah. You experience. I mean, like if I went to a museum and looked at a painting for 10 hours, I got my fucking money's worth. You know what I mean? Well, right. <laughs> a, a video game is still the cheapest form of entertainment that I can think of that per minute like, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's con- That is actually consumable media. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I mean, I guess you could say YouTube and stuff is free, but you know, is it? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, you're paying for it oh, with your data, friend. I don't pay for it. Oh, I uh, see. Okay. That's what I mean by that. Anyway, uh, hey, that was that. We hey. those are some mechanics. Those uh, are mechanics we think should be in more games. Yeah. Let us know if you agree or disagree, or your picks uh, for the list. Yeah, please. we're happy to hear it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Also, if you liked this, you can go check out. A Patreon that we run with has much more podcast content, stuff about movies, stuff about uh, shared media, depression, uh, news, politics, everything. We cover it all a little bit, uh, and you can find that on patreon.com forward slash small beans. That's where a lot of our other content is. Or if you're just a video game guy and just want to stay a shiphead, hey, check it out. You can go uh, check out all of our past uh, one Upsmanship podcasts. They're all here on iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts, you can just search for it and find all of our back catalog. And there's quite a bit. That's right. That's the number one UPS menship. One ups menship. That's right. You've been warned. This was fun. Let's do another one of these sometime, huh? All right. Till then. Adios. Ta-ta. Work complete.
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.